Greetings to all of you this morning in Jesus' name. I thought uh, before I get in the message here, I might uh, just share a little bit of an update on uh, Rachel because I know all of you would like to know. And uh, so rather than repeating it to individually to all of you, I thought maybe I'll just give it to all of you at once. Um, it's been about four years now that Rachel's come down with kidney failure. Um, at that point, four years ago, she was at about 12% kidney function. And uh, over time, she was able to get that up to about 18%. And we felt that was going good and going in the right direction. And we were glad for all of that. Uh, recently, that's kind of turned around. You might ask the question, why? Well, perhaps she got the flu a little bit, and maybe that kind of put some pressure on it. I'm not sure. But anyway, recently, her kidney function has dropped drastically and has been now slightly less than 10%. And that's about all the further down you can go. And so uh, she was getting to feel pretty nauseous and sick and so on. We went into the hospital and got little medications for that. She got her iron pumped up a little bit, and she is now feeling a little better, um, a little more ready for company, I guess. Uh, but we got a, a bunch of difficult decisions ahead of us. Um, very likely, we'll be looking at dialysis. Uh, there probably isn't going to be a, a way around that. And so... Uh, Appreciate your prayers as we go through all of that, and there's a lot of unknowns about that. A lot of risks uh, are associated with that, and uh, yeah, so we just covered your prayers with that. Uh, if things go the way I kind of expect them, and that's not for sure yet, uh, they are doing some tests and trying to discover what may be done other than dialysis, but uh, in probability that we'll be going for dialysis. And if that's the case, then there'll be a surgery probably fairly soon to put in some ports so that uh, she can get dialysis. And then after the ports are put in, it'll be three weeks before she can use it. So uh, all of that leaves us with kind of a, a little bit of a limbo for a period of time. So you can remember us in your prayers and... Uh, Thank you for all your love and cards and flowers and things that you've sent and uh, visits. I appreciate that all very much and uh, just want to say thank you and thanks for being with us. Okay, so by God's grace, I'm going to share a message this morning. Uh, title of my message is Significance. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer first. Lord, I ask you to take these words that I have put together, these thoughts, I'd make them truly a blessing to this people, to this congregation. Help them to stir, help it to stir hearts in the direction that you want us to grow. And help us to realize by faith what we are, who we are, and what we can be for you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And I ask you for strength for this morning. In Jesus' name. As you may remember, my last message was on the stumbling stone of relationships or quarrels. Uh, There are so many things that get in the way of relationships. And uh, so this message is not on a stumbling stone, but rather a building block. We had a stumbling stone the last time. This time is a building block or a, a way of building. Relationships 
are built on significance. We're going to discover that a little bit more as we go along. Significance is kind of a strange word too, isn't it? But uh, um, I think it brings something to us that is very important, something that each one of us needs, something that is integral to each of us, something that if neglected will cripple you. Brother Earl asked us some time ago to um, consider what we would like this congregation to be. And uh, my mind goes quickly to uh, what Jesus said. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. And so as we're thinking about that, how do we love one another? What is it that makes us to shine as lights in this crooked and perverse generation. How are you different than your neighbor and the next person around you? What is it that makes your life ring for Jesus? And of course, we all kind of know, yeah, it's love, right? But how does that get into shoe leather? You know, how do you make that come real? Down to where the rubber meets the road, you might say. And uh, I think about what James says about pure religion and undefiled. You know, visit the fatherless, the widows, orphans, those who are in need. Touch the lives of others. This is pure religion and undefiled. And it is to this end that I share this message, that uh, we can grow in our love for each other, grow in grace and and I want you to know I preach it to myself too. You know, I, I realize that in many ways I have come so far short. So, I'm not telling you this as one who has all the answers. I'm a learner with you. And uh, to the extent that I have experienced it, I have found fullness and joy and gladness. I have found the power of God to the extent that I have neglected it and not done it. I have found loneliness. Discouragement. Feeling like I don't count to the extent, to the same extent. So I say to you this morning, significance is, is kind of the word that helps you kind of unpack what it is that makes you truly count. Okay? Significance. That you really truly matter to someone. I think all of you know what it feels like, at least at times. I, I'm going to guess that all of you have somewhere along the line experienced a, a lack of, of significance. And uh, uh, it wouldn't be at all surprising to me if uh, it, right here in this room there are people who may be struggling with a lack of significance even today. That's, uh, that wouldn't be at all pr- surprising, perhaps even likely. But I ask you, do you all know what it feels like to be uh, the fifth wheel? You know what I mean by the fifth wheel? Uh, the one who doesn't count, the one who is not needed, or perhaps even the one who is unwanted. Have you been in a situation where you were really not wanted? And it's just kind of like, ah, oh, let me out of here. Perhaps sometimes you have felt like the spare tire in a car. You know, if it's flat or missing, no one even notices. Do you ever feel like that? Probably most of you had at some point or other. Without purpose, useless, perhaps worthless. We talk about people who fall through the cracks. People whose needs are unnoticed. And unmet. These are real things. 
people whose contributions are unrecognized or unused. People who sometimes feel like a lost ball in high weeds. I think you know what I'm talking about. Some time ago, I talked to a person that uh, was a pastor at one point. Loved, respected by the whole congregation. and Man of influence. Man of respect. Reputation. And through a series of events, he lost his reputation. Lost his pastorhood. Lost his congregation. Went to another congregation. Tried to fit in. And he was... And I'm just going to use a fake name here. He was just Joe. You know, at one point, he was Pastor Goodman, you know. He was important. And now all of a sudden, he was just Joe. And he said, and by the way, that's not even my name. They didn't even know his name. And he felt a lack of significance. Well, I suppose that all of you at some place have found that place of insignificance and sometimes have felt the pain of that. And I'd like to just simply say that for every person here, bar none, significance is important. Everybody needs it. It's not a selfish thing. It's a human need. Everybody needs significance. It is one of our primal needs or basic needs. And it is God's will that we should be significant. And without it, we become crippled, insecure, depressed, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally unstable. But significance brings security, confidence, and vision. That's why we need it, right? Significance this morning comes two ways. I'd like to talk about two ways in which significance is received or comes to you. First of all, significance is received. You know, we find this first as a baby. You know, every baby comes into this world and knows just about nothing and has a lot of needs and cannot take care of itself. And so we take care of the baby, feed it, clothe it, and uh, the needs are met. And the baby is content. He has security. And he bonds to his mother. The first place where you find love. Right? Right? Unfortunately, there are some babies that don't get this. Some babies who are neglected, who are not fed very well, who are not dried when they need it. And these babies become very insecure very quickly because their needs are not met. And this can scar people for a long time. If those needs are not met for a period of time, for a long time, um, That can be of some scarring. I'm not here to talk about that a whole lot. There are, and I might say there's more about this subject of significance than I can cover this morning. I'm going to just kind of hit some high points and some points that might be practical here to you. And there are some things that I'm just going to uh, neglect or or pass over. But, Thinking of the babies uh, who get their needs met, you know, it doesn't take very long for the baby to figure out who mother is. Does it? No. That baby soon finds out where the food comes from, right? And mother becomes very special. Why? Because the needs are met. It's that way in other relationships. 
You know, this is just the very first place that it happens, but it happens throughout your adult life. All of us have needs that are beyond us. They are bigger than us. And we find our needs being met somehow, somewhere. And where those needs are met, we find significance. All right. I think you'll understand that. <clears throat> and so a friend in need is a friend indeed. We, you know, we just naturally find, we naturally give significance to the people who meet our needs. <clears throat> when I first came here to church, I found it just a little bit difficult to find my place among you. You know, how do I fit in here? And uh, I found that just a little bit difficult. But it was Earl who took the time to talk to me to tell me he cared about what I was experiencing. To walk me through, he gave me significance. You know what? Earl will always be special to me for that. See, that's how relationships are made. Thank you, Earl. You know, you became a special person to me because you talked to me and showed that you cared. This is the kind of things that build relationships when you give significance to people. Wherever they are, in whatever need they happen to be, and isn't the world just full of needs? But if you can meet a need there, you will grow significance. Right now I'm on the looking at the way significance is received. Uh, Significance comes in lots of forms and places and packages. Uh, You find significance with your parents. You find significance with friends, with church relationships and with business relationships. But most importantly, and I like to just really emphasize this, most importantly, you must find your significance with God. This is the one place that you cannot neglect your significance in the face of God. Without finding your significance in God, no one, absolutely no one, can adequately fill that void. No one. He is our creator. He is our, we are his workmanship. He is our redeemer. He suffered for us and he is still interceding for us. Do you know that? I mean, really know it? I know you all know it up here. You've all been around Christianity. You know the facts. But do you know it in here? Do you know unquestionably that in the eyes of God you are absolutely significant? That your value is beyond measure. You know, there's a lot of people who really don't know that. There are a lot of people. And maybe even this morning here in this room, there may be people who cannot feel that significance. I don't know. But I'd like to show you that it is absolutely important for you that you get to feeling this and get to understanding it. Um, I think of the verse in Psalm 27, verse 10. It says, When my father and mother forsake me, and that would probably be the last person who would forsake you, right? Your father and your mother. But if your father and mother would forsake you, then the Lord will take me up. Now, what I get out of this verse is that out of all the human relationships that are upon this face of the earth, probably the strongest one is the parent-child relationship, right? But even if the parent, your father and your mother, dump you, 
one of the biggest tragedies that can happen. Even if that happens, God is going to be there for you. He will always be there for you. This tells me that no matter how people fail you, no matter how your friends fail you, no matter how badly you strike out at work, no matter how badly you strike out in family life, if all your brothers and sisters and your mom and your dad and your uncles and aunts and everybody just kind of like, you know, ditches you, you can make it. Did you know that? You are, are supplied with God. If you know God, and you allow God to take you up in his arms, you can make it. You can make it. There are a lot of people today who hide behind this idea of significance and they blame everything on everybody. You know, my mom didn't treat me right when I was a little baby and my brothers and sisters picked on me and, and I got emotionally scarred and wearied and, uh, and blah, 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 you know, goes on and on and on. And they believe themselves a victim of circumstance. And in some ways they are a victim of circumstance. But I'm here to tell you that God is great enough and big enough and full enough that if you were to see his love for you, he would fix you. Got that? And no matter how bad your circumstance, if you find the significance of God that God gives you, You can take it. You can take anything. Nothing is going to run you into the ground. Nothing. How many of you really believe that? I won't ask you to necessarily put your hands up. But I challenge you. I know you think it up here. Do you know it down here? Do you know it? Okay. Next point. Significance must be received or it is useless. Now, significance can be given to you just as as uh, God gives us significance and some people don't know it. In other words, they didn't receive it. They don't Believe it. Okay? Uh, sometimes your friends will give you significance. And depending on circumstances, you might not want to believe it. And if you don't receive it, it doesn't do you any good. Are you getting the point? In order for significance to do its work within you and give you the place of standing that you need, you need to receive it. It's an act of the will. It's something that you accept. Uh, You acknowledge it. You comprehend it. No matter how well it's given to you, if it is not received, it won't change you. Now, just as water runs downhill, just as water runs downhill, which it always does, right? Even so, significance that is received turns into gratitude. And gratitude will turn into thankfulness. And thankfulness turns into love. It happens just like water runs downhill. If it has not happened for you, it's because you haven't received it. Okay? Check your heart. Have you really received what God has given to you? 
I think of it this way. Uh, we can only love God. You know, you know the first commandment, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Do you know that you can't do that commandment unless you receive significance from God? You can't just love the Lord your God with all your heart out of nothing. The reason you love the Lord your God with all your heart is because you received his significance. The Bible says we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Now, I was just really impressed again in our last communion service here that we had a few, uh, it was last Sunday, I guess it was, right? And as, uh, <clears throat> as Brother Brian was sharing with us all that Jesus went through to redeem us, to purchase us, to bless us. And surely, if there was any place where relationships could fall apart, that was it. And yet, Jesus pressed through to the end and bought our redemption at a price beyond measure, beyond comprehension. I cannot even begin to comprehend the pain Jesus must have experienced. I cannot imagine the turmoil of his soul as he took upon himself all of the sins of the world. And he took it. Why did he take it? Why did he take it? Hebrews says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and made it happen. Because he gave you significance. That's what it is. And when you begin to understand that unmeasurable love of God, if you receive that, what has to happen in your heart? What has to happen? Just as water runs downhill, right? If you receive that significance, if you believe that this is what has happened and you know this is what has happened and this is who God is and God cares about you, then you cannot help but be full of gratitude and thankfulness and love Him. Right? You know why people don't love the Lord? in the face of all of this significance? You know why? Because they didn't receive it. It's that simple. They didn't receive it. They didn't believe it. They didn't acknowledge it. They didn't take it into their heart. And thus they live impoverished lives. Okay? This morning, be sure that you have received the love of God. <clears throat> As I think about what Jesus did for us, that's what perfect significance looked like. looks like. That's what it looks like. And because of that, I can love the Lord with all of my being. Now, if you fail at this part of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, then you will not be able to do the second part. There's a second part, which is even more wonderful than the first part. But you will not be able to do the second part until you've done the first. Until you have received God this way, You cannot begin to love your neighbor as yourself. You just can't. It's not there in you. Okay? 
Some people do have a little smidge of it, but it's not what I'm talking about. It is out of this fullness that God gives us that the second source of significance springs. And once you have understood the immeasurable goodness of God, once you have the goodness of God which passeth all understanding and is beyond you in every way, think about that. The goodness of God is bigger than you in every direction. Some people don't know that. But once you understand that God is bigger than you in every way, this same omnipotent creator and master of all, who is perfect in every way, invites you, yea, commands you, to be his representative. Is that shocking? It is to me. In fact, he tells us that we are to be his ambassadors. And at first glance, that seems absurd that you are called, I am called to represent Matchless God. What? How are you going to do that? How are you going to be looked upon? How are people to know who God is through you? Through me? I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on us. Sinful man to represent holy God? How absurd! Yet that is what he's called you to. I don't know if that takes your breath away. But it seems like the most impossible expectation ever. How can that be? And I don't need you to... I don't need me... You, Getting tangled up here. I don't, you don't need me to tell you how many people are trying to do this and utterly failing. You know a lot of so-called Christians who are trying to represent God and they're making an utter failure. I'm sorry, they're just making an utter failure of it. And some of you know that that just really stinks. Right? I have to admit, nothing stinks so bad as the selfishness of Christians set forth as righteousness. That just hurts, doesn't it? Maybe some of you are cringing over things that you think of, of how people posing themselves to be Christians have hurt you unmeasurably. Yeah, we have plenty of that. Nevertheless, nevertheless, that's what the church is supposed to be. The extension of God upon this earth. You are supposed to be representing God on this earth. As absurd as that might seem to you. How can this be done? Well, first of all, let me remind you that God says, I will be with you. You are not left to do this alone. Indeed, you cannot do it alone. God says, Go ye into all the world, and behold, I am with you, whithersoever you go. He is there. In fact, this is precisely where a lot of people go 
uh, really fail in their Christian lives. They try to do this alone. I have done it. I expect that you probably have done it. Tried to live the Christian life. Tried to do the things that were righteousness. Tried to do what is right. And uh, we're doing it on your own. Trying to be what you should be and utterly failing in the process. I know what that's like. I've done it a lot. But that's not what you're called to. You're not called to do it alone. You're not called to do it on your own strength. And you're not, you're not even expected to do it perfectly all at once. You know, he says, be ye perfect, even as I am perfect. But he automatically knows you're not going to be perfect. So, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Right? And even if you fail at this a, a bit, you're not expected to do it alone. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, you don't have to do it all alone. But get this. Significance is both passive and active. In the first part of my message here, I spoke to you of the significance that God gives you. You don't have to do anything for it. You didn't have to work. You didn't have to become righteous. You didn't have to do anything. God gives you the significance for nothing. He gives it to you. Because he's God, and he cares about you, and he gives you significance. This significance is passive. Receiving the goodness of God is passive. That's altogether different than being the goodness of God. Did you get that? Now, once God has given you the significance passively, once you have received his goodness, he turns around and tells you, now, I want you to be my goodness. It's a big difference. Huge difference. All right? And this is the active part. Being the goodness of God is active. Now, I believe that the active part is even better than the passive part, if that's possible. Can you think that's possible? I mean, the passive part is unmeasurable, right? Uncomprehensible, beyond us in every way. I don't know how you measure things like this. But the passive part is great enough. But that's not all. You get the active part as well. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we find that significant comes in giving. To be the active part of being the goodness of God. Do you know that you are the hands and feet of Jesus? Uh, yeah, you heard that before. No, I, I, I mean this in the sense of significance now. God is asking you to actually be him. An extension of him, that is. Not replace him. You're not going to ever replace God. But God ex- asks you to be his extension. He is going to be one with you. You're the hands and the feet of God. God is in you. God is pouring through you. He is enabling you to do what you could never do on your own. And you become God's representative. God's grace through you. Amazing, isn't it? 
God's grace through you. Don't misrepresent God. How many times have we misrepresented God? Misrepresented God. I think I've done it pretty often. You hold the words of life. You hold the keys of heaven and hell. Right? You know those Bible verses, right? Don't have to turn to them this morning, do we? Keys, by the way, are for unlocking, not locking. You know, sometimes when people read that passage in Matthew 18 about, you know, Jesus said, I give to you the keys of the kingdom. And, and some people take that verse, those verses, and they believe that the church, you know, has authority to bind or loose and so on. And, and, and so they begin to bind. You understand what I'm saying? You got it wrong if you're doing that. That's not what it's about. The keys of the kingdom are to loose, not bind. They will only be bound if you allow them to remain bound, but you should be loosing them. You should be cutting them free from their sin. You should be helping them loose, not bound. Keys are for unlocking. You can always lock the door without the key, right? Turn the button, pull the door shut. It's locked. You don't need a key. You need a key to open it. Right? And you have the key. God has given you the key to unlock and to loose the bonds. Even as Jesus said there in the temple one day that uh, see if I can I'm not sure I can pull it together right now. Uh, He said he has sent me to preach Deliverance to the captive and the recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what he passed on to you. He did that. He carried the baton while he was here upon this earth. And then as he was ready to leave, He, in in essence, said, here, here's the baton. Now, you do what I have done. What an awesome thing. But that's your calling. To be God upon this earth and to loose the captives and set them at liberty. What an awesome thing. To set the captives at liberty. Let the oppressed go free. Ministry is joy. Now, if it's a duty to you, and I've mentioned this before already, you know what? Some people do their Christian lives as a duty. Ouch. If it's a duty to you, if you're duty-bound Christians, do you understand what I'm saying? Do You do what's right because it's right and you're expected to do it and blah, 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 you know. If you're duty-bound, you're missing it. You're, you're missing it. There is a much higher, much better way of service than being duty-bound. Yes, there is duty, you know, but it should not feel like duty to you. It should be opportunity. You don't need to make it a duty. My daddy used to always say, if you want to, you don't have to. Now, if I didn't want to, then I had to. But if you want to, you don't have to. You get to be, and this is something that boggles my mind, Something that's beyond my comprehension. I'm sure it must be beyond the comprehension of us all. But you get to be one with God himself. 
ponder that. You don't just get to receive the goodness of God. You get to be one with God. If you do it right. What greater significance could you ever have? Is this not the greatest significance that you could ever be? To be one with God himself. Now, there are millions of ways of doing this. Maybe you're sitting there wondering, well, uh, okay, how do we do this? There's a million ways of doing this. Whether you are in Tanzania helping some poor, desperate, dying baby live, that's giving significance. Right? And it's being God to this helpless person. Whether you go to Greece and help those poor refugees who hardly have a place to live. And you show the love of Jesus to them. That's just another way of being God and providing needs, providing for needs as you can. We heard it this morning about the Good Samaritan, you know. The man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. And there came this poor Samaritan and he helped this man in need. There's a million ways to do this. Sometimes it's as simple and as unassuming as helping a mother in the church who's struggling with the load and you just help someone who has need. Perhaps it's helping someone move when, you know, we all move from time to time, or at least some of us move. Some of us don't so much. But there are people that move and they need your help. And this is sharing the need. And it's becoming, it's giving significance. It's doing what is important to get the job done. It's being the goodness of God. There's a million ways of doing this. To pay somebody's electric bill that they can't quite pay. There's a million ways to share a caring heart. Some of you have been doing it to us. You come and visit us when we're in the hospital. It's sharing love. It's sharing the goodness of God. There's a million ways to do this. If you're striking out, I'm going to suggest to you that if you're striking out and don't know how to do this, it's because you haven't gotten point one. Go back to point one. If you have, first of all, seen what God has done for you and filled you with his own fullness and goodness, then as water flows downhill, you'll want to be like him. If you find it difficult to get out of your own selfishness and help other people and do the things that God would do for them, if you find that difficult, it's because you're full of yourself. Okay? And the only fix for that, the only fix for that is to go back to square one. Okay? You can try other things. You can try 12-point programs and, you know, there's all kinds of things to try to learn things. But I'm going to tell you right up front, it's not going to do it for you. Because if you don't get square one, you won't get square two. Okay? But just as water runs downhill, if you have found the goodness of God, I mean really found the goodness of God, and he has thrilled your soul, you will want to be like him. And you will want to give significance to others.
And when you do that, it just gets better and better and better. Let's see, where am I now? Can I go down a rabbit trail there? Okay. I hope that has inspired you and thrilled you. I have a couple other thoughts yet to share with you. One of them being that sometimes significance is not always just and equal. That happens. In James chapter 2, verse 2, James says to the church there and to us, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Maybe I could say with unequal significance. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there will come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say to, unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand over there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not partial? Are you not partial in yourselves? Or unequal in significance? And are become judges of evil thoughts? Yeah, that's what it is. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. You gave them unequal significance. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? They do, don't they? Why are we so prone to unequal significance? Do we ever do that? It may not be with a rich man with a ring and poor man in vile raiment. But there are other ways in which we are unequal in significance. I have found myself do it. I preach to myself. You know, so-and-so comes to our church and I look at them and I think, oh man, what a bag of problems. And I, I just wish they'd go on down somewhere else. Just go away. <laughs> oh. Is that not unequal significance? Do you love them like God loves you? Can you say to someone, I don't think you're going to fit here. You know, I don't believe we can help you. Would God say that to you? No, he wouldn't. That is unequal significance. I'm not pointing fingers. I've done that myself. I know how easy it is to do that. But God calls us to equal significance. God calls us to love our neighbor as ourself, even if he is the man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Even if he's a troublemaker, God calls you to give him significance. That's sometimes a little difficult. Nevertheless, Are you not the extension of God? Is this not what God calls you to be? I think it is. Sometimes we are just afraid of how that will affect us. James goes on to say, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. That's the second commandment, right? But if you have respect of persons, ye commit sin. Did you get that? And are convinced of the law as transgressors. 
Have you shown partiality in sharing significance? I have. Is this the royal law to tell somebody, uh, yeah, I don't think you'll fit here. Is that the royal law of liberty? I don't believe. Is this God's love flowing through you? As a, as conservative people, we are very tempted in this area. Seriously. We worry about the influence that will affect us and our children. It's real. But God has called us to change this world. And at the foot of the cross, people are equal. Remember this. Jesus does not see people the way they are, but what they can become. See, the problem is, we look at people and we see how they are, and we say, they're not very righteous. They aren't going to be good for us. We better just send them packing. That's because we see them as they are. Hopefully. Maybe we're even wrong about that sometimes. But Jesus sees them what they can be. Now, if you begin to see people for what they can be instead of what they are, that would make a difference, wouldn't it? That'd make a difference. Philippians chapter 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my, ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded. Now, we tend to think unity here. You know, we often have that. But I'd like to challenge you this morning to think equality this morning instead of unity. I think both of them are right. But everyone has an equal significance. So if there's any love for all of this, if God is who he is and says he is and we believe that, then let's get this. That God is full of love and we are all equals. And having this same equalized love we can become of one accord and of one mind. And let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. Is that not what Jesus did for you? And you are the extension of Jesus. Do you have the mind of Christ? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And wherefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That was the mind of Christ. Are you an extension of that? Can you claim, honestly, can you claim to be like that? Oh, how far short I have come so many places. This is not to make you feel guilty, but to inspire you. Yes, you and I have failed in lots of ways. Do we need to keep on failing? Are we stuck? By no means. By no means. 
If you get what God has given to you, you can become an extension of Him. An extension of Him. Time almost up, so I'll skip that part. I have one more uh, caution to give you about significance. Significance can go astray. It can go the wrong direction. Your right to significance does not make you Lord of all. It doesn't. You're not God and never will be, even though you are God's representative. Even though you are to do what God wants you to do, you aren't God. Remember that. Once upon a time, in a faraway place, a long time ago, and this is not a fable. This is in your King James Bible. <clears throat> Once upon a time, Lucifer, oh, you know his name, right? Lucifer was perfect at one time. He was the anointed cherub who stood in the presence of the Almighty. His significance was great. Perhaps the greatest of all created beings. Perhaps. Don't know that for sure. But he wanted it to be even greater. Imagine that. He wanted to take the place of God and to be God. And because of that, he became the father of lies. And the earth was cursed with his presence. Eve was tempted by Satan to want more significance than she had. She fell for it. And so death passed upon the whole race. That's how it happened. And ever since, we have been struggling with these things about significance. Ever since. Tempted to want too much, that's pride. Or tempted to not accept the significance that's been given to us. And that's just simply wounded pride. Insecurity. Worthlessness. Depression. Doubts. Fears. All of those come from significance not properly received. Okay? So we have this struggle of finding the balance and doing it right. And I think how easy it is for significance to go astray. So easy. In fact, even as a little baby you can see it, can't you? You know, the little baby gets its needs and it's happy and secure and found significance. And very soon, it wants to rule the household. Isn't that amazing? Even as a baby. Yeah, that's the way it works. We all know that if you cater to every whimper that the baby makes, he will soon rule the house. Yeah. So there has to be some boundaries to this. And everybody's got to learn these boundaries. And we're all of us learning that. Not just the two years old. All of this is true for spiritual relationships and for human relationships. You are loved, but you are not Lord over all. And there are boundaries to your significance. Make sure that you get the significance in the sense of being abundant not selfish. That's the big difference between. If you want significance for selfish reasons, to lift yourself up, uh, you'll miss it terribly. Okay? But if you find yourself 
plugging into the abundance of God and gratefully receiving what God has given to you and realizing what God has called you to, you can be abundant beyond measure. If you do these things, I promise you, you will never be barren nor unfruitful in the work of the Lord. Thank you.